0: go to church. Two
1: atheists go to church. Hey, guess where we went this morning? Where did we go
0: this morning, Angela?
1: We went to Mill City Church in Northeast Minneapolis.
0: Uh, So, Mill City Church, uh, this is an episode of Out of the Attic Podcast, and this is a sub-segment of that called Two Atheists Go to Church. Two Atheists Go to Church. So, here we are, after, um, going to service, like regular uh, p- folks who believe in Jesus, and it was uh, it was not that interesting.
1: <laughs> well, it, Mill City was definitely one of... I'd always heard Mill City was hyped as, like, this big thing, and it's in northeast Minneapolis, which is kind of one of the hipper neighborhoods of the Twin Cities, and I know when we started doing this series I was like oh we got to do Mill City because I just heard like not necessarily like a hipster church but just like they're really like community conscious and very much like in the neighborhood doing like this radical stuff and I was like oh okay so I I was very interested to check it out
0: yeah and I recognize quite a few people at service um who I didn't uh, seek out and talk to. Um, and maybe they didn't notice I was there, and maybe I didn't really notice some other folks either, but it seemed a little personal. It seemed like if I had continued to stay friends with these people after school, that maybe this could be my church. Um, hmm. They meet in an auditorium in a high, high school, right?
1: Yeah, it looked kind of
0: like an elementary school. Yeah. Um, I believe it is a high school, but we were in an auditorium and it's just the kind of stage you remember from high school. It's the, the, you know, regular stage. They didn't really put up too many fancy things. They had two nice stained glass windows that were backlit and like a regular band up front. It, um, yeah, it was
1: very different from the other two where it's like this huge light show production. I mean, the lights stayed the same the whole time. E- Acoustic guitar guy didn't have shoes on and he was wearing board shorts and he is a gnarly dude. And And I knew him. Yeah. (laughs) Joshua knew it, but I mean, it was
0: very, very low key as compared to Eaglebrook, Eaglebrook and um, substance, substance. especially, (laughs) um, everyone wore name tags, which was very helpful. That would be another thing. Oh my gosh. I didn't even notice that. If people are thinking, what would make church more helpful for people who are new? Name tags. I thought that was very considerate. Why didn't we um, put on name tags? Because we just snuck in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. There was a whole booth and table that we just beeline past. Like, oh. yeah, they they could smell the blood in the water. They were like, those guys don't belong here.
1: Well, um, right before I came in, there was some guy getting out of the car and he's like, good morning. And then walking in, I think one of the people at the table was like, hey, good morning. Good morning. Like,
0: you yeah, know. They were very pleasant
1: yeah very pleasant
0: and we we snuck past them, and we did sit in the very back row <laughs> but uh they also have another thing, so the service started with music mm-hmm. and they had they called it worship, the other bands have just called it music um so mill City did call it worship, they sang worship songs that have some I remembered they were pretty pretty contemporary, but nothing. we didn't hear that one song we heard at both the other churches uh what a
1: wonderful name it yeah, is! Yeah, we
0: didn't hear that. What
1: a wonderful name it is! And <laughs>
0: yeah, we didn't have to suffer through that this week. Um, and then, so the worship team was seven—were sh- seven people that were up there: uh, two women, one uh, man of color. Um, they seemed very earnest. They very,
1: very earnest. Seemed- especially the keyboard player; he yeah. was doing a lot of prompts, which I was used to for my past church like all right everyone say jesus jesus is the light come on say the light again light is the jesus like you know he's (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. he would like prompt people from the congregation to you know all right god is the light god is the light and i'm very used to seeing worship leaders like that and so it was kind of like familiar like oh yeah okay I know, I know what's going on. Um,
0: (laughs) And then they did a song reading, which I thought was nice too. Um, Well,
1: they also talked about, um, all these different groups you can join. There's like welcome crew and then let's see what else, uh, family life and then little kitchen food shelf, which immediately perked up my eyesight because we both work in a food shelf. So, um, A church that does have a food shelf or is associated with a food shelf, that was an immediate thumbs up for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the Sheridan story is.
0: I do. That Uh, was, I was on a, I was on a panel with someone from the Sheridan story. Oh. The, um, it was the lady who was right next to me on the, the, Oh, National Honor Society. Yeah, National Honor Society, Why Food Matters. Yeah, oh, no discussion at Apple Valley High School. A couple weeks ago, shout out to Apple Valley High School. Hey. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me be one of your presenters. AVHS. Um, I bet if you heard this go podcast Panthers? first, you wouldn't have invited Panthers? me. Panthers? No. Go, go Hawks? Go Animal Thing. Go Apples. Who's winning the match tonight? <laughs> um,
1: We're the Orchard! So. Gonna beat your ass. So, what is the Sheridan story, real quick? No idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming it's some type type of community outreach nonprofit something, but if Mill City is associated with it, um, I also thought it was interesting during worship they did not send the little kiddos away. And they just kind of put them in the corner of the auditorium. So, in the middle of worship, you can hear like little kids like kind of screaming and running around, and it wasn't like They were locked in a different room for all of service. Like, they were there participating in worship, but then after worship was done,
0: they sent them to a different room, which I've never seen that before. And I heard someone say that they wanted to use that at their church.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a second. So the Sheridan story fights child hunger. So oh, okay. Their mission is more than 200,000 children in Minnesota live with food insecurity, which is what me and Angela uh, do for a living. We help people without food insecurity. Uh, we, we try to feed the hungry for a living because that's what our stories led us to do, to get off our asses and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not like the nicey-nice type people because like, we have to put up with so much flack uh, to, to try to get into feeding you the have hungry. To you have to be,
1: to, yeah, you have to be pretty thick-skinned. Yeah.
0: I did notice that um, a lot of the congregation were young people, um, younger than me, um, and with kids, and uh, a lot of single ladies uh, were there. Lots of young college girls. I, it, I I thought it probably sounded a little bit like an echo chamber. Like, probably most of the people there look the same. Most of the people there probably have the same opinions and ideas, which is not a knock. Um, we have a group called the Sacred Collective, where we talk about stuff you can't really talk about in church, but we're kind of an echo chamber too. Totally. Cause we, you know, we get together with people who, I mean, it's easy when you have sh- that shared beliefs. I mean, that's why that's why people join groups and p- people join churches. Um, but it did seem like in many places that there was a lot of like, Oh, we're all on the same page, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the sort of church I'd be interested in. Um, so, and like I said, I'm guilty of that as well. Um, We all find our tribes. Um.
1: They talked about right away this big project they were working on called the Mill City Commons. And they mentioned that they got a $60,000 grant for like this community backyard. And I'm kind of, I looked it up online and it's like sort of like a community garden. And they use, they have like a rainwater filtration system to water the garden and ju- it's just supposed to be, like, this kind of community park, almost. But it also has a building connected to it. And I, I didn't really see anything going on in the well, building yet. But they, they want to make it, like, a community space, which is cool. But also, damn, $60,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay,
0: that's, that's four months of our food shelf budget. Yeah. That's four months worth of food.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say that it was not the best use of resources because community gardens are awesome. But like you were talking about before, just having a building and then keeping that financially so, so sustainable. So this congregation
0: is meeting in a church that they, I'm sure they rent out. Or they're meeting in a school they rent out. Right. So they're trying to acquire a church building, which I always think is is a bad choice for, for churches to make. Because once you have a building that you have to take care of, you have maintenance costs, you have all these costs associated with this building that no one's at for most of the week. So, I mean, unless they're going to use it all the time, which they might. I mean, not, I'm not talking to, like, church offices, but actually having, you know, their congregation there multiple times. You're not just Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You know, Mm -hmm. like multiple times through the week or using the building for other things like, you know, sheltering people who need it, stuff like that. I think it's – I think having a building is just – we've talked about this before, how everyone's looking for water, but they get so stuck admiring the well and maintaining the well and worshiping the well instead of trying to get up the water that's life-giving. So I think there's that. Um, Yeah, the building project seems strange to me just because I'm like – do you, do you not see that, like, all the churches who've come before you, like, yeah, now we have a building. That should be, like, get out of there. Danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> we don't need it because it's just saddling you with this thing instead of the community. So you have this thing that you have to take care of that might take precedence over the community. Nothing, not saying they're going to do that. I'm just saying that's, that's where I see. Um, the, so after worship, they had a community time, which was, like, six or seven minutes of just talking to the people around you. Which was cool, but uh, the person we ended up talking to was also a first-time person there, and he was looking to steal ideas from this church for a church plant. And uh,
1: yeah, he was from Madison, Wisconsin, and, and he
0: was not. I don't. I don't think he's afraid of us, but he definitely wasn't.
1: Uh, no, not connecting at all. And uh, it was really funny because he was talking about this big church plant. Um, In Madison, he's like, I heard so much about Mel City, I had to come and see it, and I want to steal all their ideas, and I was like, oh, okay. And then before the time ended, he's like, well, nice talking to you, and then just turned around, so both of us were just sitting, and everyone else was talking to somebody else, and here he is just staring forward, and we're just staring at each other like... Oh, I guess our community time got cut short. I guess it's over. Oh, I guess he no longer wants to speak to us.
0: Okay. Um, I can't... And then the sermon started. Yeah. Um, pastor was a tall, attractive, uh, white male, uh, middle-aged kids, but, uh... Very Clark Kent. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, he also, which is funny, because the last church we did, the pastor was an EDM DJ, but he played college basketball and this pastor also played college basketball. I wrote down <laughs>
1: another basketball playing pastor. Take it to the hoop.
0: Yeah. And he gave a pretty, uh, shitty sports analogy, uh, about his coach in, uh, high school, teaching him how to play a different way than the other kids because he was so small. And he's like, Oh, he was not being hard on me. He was doing this to help improve my game down the road. Um, which was fine. I mean, that's a analogy, but he had the basketball and there was no reason to have the basketball. I mean, well, he he have just described it. He was just, he was just dribbling. It was just annoying.
1: <laughs> so straight up, this sermon was very confusing to me. A lot of the phrases he used seem very vague and I'm still kind of trying to wrestle with what they mean. Um, And his analogy he originally said about the ball, his coach taught him to hang on to the ball, even if you're not good at hiding it.
0: Yeah, which I thought was weird. And
1: then that translated into, he was not teaching me to use skills. He was teaching me with what I want to be. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? So you're not good at hiding the ball, so your true calling is holding on to a ball tightly.
0: Yeah, that was that was weird. A lot of this vague reference of be who you need to be. And his, the basic work done of the message was what? Jesus wants to teach you how to be the best version of yourself. And he quoted John one thirty five through 38. Um, but then what it boiled down for me, it was kind of like, well, as long as... is. Jesus is your rabbi, and he, you know, did the be covered in the dust of your rabbi, um, which has been well, around for a long time.
1: Yeah, we should kind kind of explain that. That means students of a rabbi would physically follow the rabbi around. It's not like they would just meet with him in a classroom and then go home. Like they were following him around to see exactly how he lived his life. Mm-hmm. And the pastor also alluded to this. He's like what if someone followed you around for a whole day and saw who you text and what you eat and what you do after work. And then there were like audible groans and they other like, Oh no.
0: Like, and then he, he said that level of transparency is a uh, trans, uh, trans, shit. Transparency? transparency. Where the fuck did I not get that word? <laughs> that level of transparency is scary. He said, and then he just went off the cuff. Like he just missed it saying, but nobody would do that. And I'm like, I don't think that I'm that shitty of a person that if I had someone follow me around, I'd be like, well, what a piece of shit.
1: (laughs) What I was thinking was being that Jesus is omnipresent. Isn't that exactly what Jesus does? Isn't Jesus following you around all day?
0: You should ask them because they believe it.
1: Yeah. Well, he was talking about, (laughs) isn't that scary if someone saw everything you did and I was like, uh, doesn't Jesus already see everything? Like, people who are groaning, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone would see what I do after work. And I'm like, wait, don't you believe that Jesus sees everything you do? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what would it matter if Joe Schmo saw what you did? Yeah. Like, If you, if Jesus is the most important part of your life, shouldn't you be concerned about what Jesus sees? I was so confused during this yeah. sermon, you guys. I was so
0: confused. Yeah, I, I. It came down to the same thing. Like, I think you can be like me, um, hear the message, uh, and he said, hear Jesus' message to you in the 21st century. So he said he told everyone to read the Sermon on the Mount, but then to pick out whatever they thought would that whatever they fancied, which I think is so dangerous. To say to take a a book that people consider holy in scripture and just to laissez faire let any Joe Smo just pick out the words without any context without any research without any study without any like care without any care to the actual words because what if somebody picks out something dangerous yeah and focuses on that or what if they pick out something and it causes them to be really depressed. You know, without a, a helping hand guiding someone through this, someone who, who knows the scriptures. I'm not saying everyone needs to be a Greek scholar. I'm not saying everyone needs to go to seminary. But if faith is the most important part of your life, you should give a shit about it. And you should actually get off your ass and do a little work and not just be like, well, church is fine. I mean, this is this being a Christian thing is really, really important. But I'm not going to do anything about it because I'm just going to watch CSI. It's like, what the?
1: But if Mystical Joe Schmo saw me watching CSI after work it'd be really scary. Yeah. (laughs) Another vague I wrote down so many vague sentences this guy said. So the not teaching us skills maybe I'll just sound like a big idiot and everyone will be like, no, that makes perfect sense, but I'm just being open and honest and these didn't make any sense to me. Not teaching us skills, teaching us what we want to be. Give your whole life to learn a way of life. Give your whole life to learn a way
0: of life. Well, I understand the sentiment.
1: I guess. But, uh, what was the,
0: I knew you were going to write
1: that down. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, see, this makes me look like the, like, hateful feminist. I am a feminist, but I promise I don't hate men. Um, this guy made another dig at his wife. This is three for three. We've had <laughs> pastors three for three make digs at their wives during their sermon. I don't know if it was
0: a dig. It was a barb. It was definitely a barb.
1: Why does why does a barb even need to be there?
0: I don't, I'm, not, I'm not. People laugh at it.
1: My wife isn't here, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and I said, why do pastors always rag on their wives? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like it. So I hope the next church we go to, the pastor doesn't say a single fucking thing about his wife.
0: Well, maybe next time the pastor will be a woman, and maybe she'll take a dig at her husband. Then we are you going to say that?
1: That's just, still not just, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's no. not okay. Spouses shouldn't make digs at
0: each other. <laughs> Especially in public, I think.
1: Especially in public. Especially yeah. in front of your congregation.
0: I agree. Oh. Normalizing. Patriarchy. Not cool.
1: Yeah. Jesus thinks we have what it takes to be like him, not just
0: agree I, with I him. I also thought Jesus seemed very abstract in his sermon. Like, he was talking about Jesus teaching them how to pray to God, but if Jesus is God...
1: I wrote that you know, down, too. Um, Jesus taught his disciples how to talk to God. Isn't he God? And He,
0: I <laughs> actually kind of got excited, so he quoted the Lord's Prayer. And, um, he talked about how important, how important prayer was for everything. And I think what he really meant was meditation and thought. Oh yeah.
1: I wanted to, I want to just
0: talk about that. Cause I don't, I don't think he meant just like, well, I don't care what you pray about. It. Just start praying and be like, lollipops are nice. Thanks Jesus. I don't think he meant that. I think he meant more meditation and study, but it came, like prayer came across as, and, and then he did the Lord's prayer and they actually used the word debts and debtors, which for you theological people out there is important. And then he only talked about the first fucking part of the prayer. So he was like, give glory to God all the time. Uh, our Father of heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just focus on the first part. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me! Like a church that actually has debts and debtors and they don't talk about economic injustice or like jubilee or taking money from the rich and actually redistributing it to the poor or giving reparations for slavery, which are totally I love to to see that. Um...
1: um
0: that was a rant, sorry, soapbox. We'll That's all right. Kick it out from underneath me.
1: That's all right. Um, so he talked about this prayer thing. He went to this conference in New York City, and it was all about planning churches in New York, and he was like, oh, it's going to be so cutting edge, and it's going to be amazing. And um, he name-checked some important guy, I can't remember.
0: He, I've never heard of him.
1: Oh, okay. Um, And he said, the absolute most important thing you can do for a church plant plant is to pray. And I was like, really? Is that the most important (laughs) part? Um, And then he talked about what you said, hallowed be thy name. And he said, if you don't spend time adoring God, you're screwed. Calm down with your plans and say things you love about God. Yeah. Which, I mean... I took that super literally like I I wrote pray or die. Like, okay. I understand not being a logistics slave and to, you know, take time to meditate on what you're doing. I totally get it. But when you're planting a church, you're supposed to meditate by going, God, you're great. Boy, oh boy, are you, you sure are awesome. You forgive me of my sins, and you love everyone, and gee whiz. And then the ideas for your church are just going to float. Like, that's the special <laughs> unlocking freight. God's like, please tell me how great I am. Yeah. Then I'll give you ideas for your cool New York church. <laughs> I, I don't know. I,
0: well, he said, uh, I so if you're going to so start confused. a church in New York, the most important thing to do Deuce is pray. I thought he was going to say... Uh, the most important thing to do is communication. That's what I thought he was going to say. Like I thought he was going to see br- that
1: would make sense. I thought he was going
0: to bring it back to like community and communicating with each other, that being makes on sense. the same page. And I, I thought he was going to bring it home, and then he just said prayer, and I was like,
1: pray and most importantly, pray about
0: adoring God. Yeah.
1: It was like um, that kind of seems like the opposite of community. Like, yeah. excuse me, I gotta go pray. Oh, God, I wrote, you're so great. You're so awesome.
0: I wrote a very bland vanilla sermon on how Jesus wants to teach us. And it was, he had all these bullet points and he actually just said, pick a bullet point and see if God wants to teach you. So all these things, and he's like, there's tons of these things. things It's like the
1: guy from Substance being like, just Google
0: (laughs) it. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, just like, well, you know, like if you don't like what I have to say or whatever, you can just think whatever you want. And that's, that's cool. I mean, why is he, is he qualified to be up there? Did someone call it sick? You know, I don't know if the guy's the actual pastor. i everybody never even checked. Um,
1: and this was a phrase he said, and then just totally, it just kind of went off to another subject. Allowing Jesus to tell you you can do it. Not because of how special you are, but because you are open. And then he just went off on a different... I'm like, wait, how... First of all, I thought in... God's eyes were very special because we learned at another sermon we're supposed to, God tells us who we are and we're the, you know, the heirs of Kings. And I forgot that other phrase, like we're, we're special children. And this guy says, no, no, no. Jesus tells you, you can do it because you're open, but then never described what being open to God was unless that goes back to praying about adoring him. Yeah, that was which I'm I wrote down, I'm so confused. (laughs) And he uses he used this phrase multiple times and please if someone knows what this means or can interpret this, Jesus wants to teach you how to be who you are. Let me say that again. Jesus (laughs) Wants to teach you how to be who you are. Yep. Yeah. That just seemed like punting. To be who you... Okay. So, who, who I am. What if I was a queer person at that church? Jesus wants to teach me how to be the best queer that I am. Because that's... A big part about who I am, or you know, like he kept saying, like Jesus wants to have you be your best self.
0: So the pastor's name was Michael uh, Binder Bender. I've actually heard of him before, and then he's co-pastor with Stephanie O'Brien, who I went to school with. And then J.D. Larson talked to us. Christian Ann Larson was uh, I know her from working together. So.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a little worship pastor guy. Yeah. I'm just going to say that again. Jesus wants to teach you how to be who you are. Just think about
0: it. That I'm
1: still thinking about it.
0: Well, that seems weird, too, because that seems the opposite of um, leave leave everything and follow me.
1: Yeah. You know? um, I thought we were trying to be more like Jesus, but this guy told it. But then again, he told us you're not special. You're open, and then Jesus wants to teach you to be who you are, not who he is?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, you guys.
0: <laughs> um, one other thing that I thought was wow. funny. So we had communion, and they specifically said that it was a gluten-free bread. Yeah, that's pretty good. Which I thought was funny. I'm like, that is such a fad. Sorry, Celiac people. I don't mean it. Um, i know, a
1: barefoot acoustic guitar
0: guy wearing board shorts. Gnarly. And it was conflicting ideas because one, it's all about you. No wait, it's all about Jesus and the worship songs, you know. Right. Um, right. And I, I what I felt was just a regular boring Baptist church. I'm um, sorry, it's Converge now.
1: Yeah, I um, didn't out of like all the hype, I was expecting a lot more, but it just seemed like churches I used to go to in my small town like Yeah,
0: it seemed really, really okay. normal and I also thought why couldn't they do this with any other church? Like, why did they have to start a new one? Um, yeah, I, I just it didn't make sense to me. Because I had heard, like, stuff that they were doing some radical community things. By that, I mean actually looking for justice as, like, mutuality, a space where people are on the same foot, whether it's economic or whether it's, you know, job-wise or <clears throat> people giving up their positions of privilege to, you know, be with the poor spend time with the poor. And they might do that. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, that, I wish not, they would have. If not, they do not, do
0: that, I wish they would have talked more. Yep, yeah, and nothing about that was presented today. And I don't know if they live in the neighborhood or not. Um, but I had the impression that they had like I don't know. I don't know if maybe some community houses or something in the neighborhood. Um, but yeah, it was. It was just. It was kind of confusing because there was nothing about it that made me think it was different from any other Baptist church I've been to. Um, yeah.
1: I was, I was expecting like a super radical type of thing. I was, I
0: didn't say radical. I, I was expecting, I was expecting radical. You were expecting that. I was expecting mainline denomination, but I was expecting a little bite to it. Okay. Um, cause I would say like what Mark and Steenwick is doing is radical and churches won't touch him with a 10 foot pole because it makes him uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Versus like a church like Revolution, which they're doing some interesting things too. But I would say, I would think Revolution would be way more radical than um, this church, which we're actually coming to Revolution Church next week. Well, next week we will be in your parents' cabin. right? So So the next time we go to church, there'll be Revolution. um, Shout out Revolution Church. Yeah. Shout out Air of Grievance podcast.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just heard a ton of hype. Like, I knew about Mill City when I was still going to church, which was around 2010 or 11. Like, And maybe they were just getting started. I went to a church called Upper Room, and there was big buzz about Mill City Church. Like, holy balls, they're doing crazy new stuff, and they're so... Radical and community-oriented, and they're really doing life together. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but its it just seemed really normal to me. Like, yes. the service was like any sort of service I attended when I was still going to church. And... Honestly, out of the three that we've gone to, I
0: felt the most comfortable here. Yep. Yes, I did. It was very welcoming and opening. So, Samuel City Church, thank you for welcoming us today. Yeah. We did feel welcomed.
1: Yeah, I felt very welcomed. And I'm glad the worship wasn't like a laser light show. And I mean, if you're into that, fine. Like, go to Substance. I'm personally not into it. But yeah, I would say out of the three... I felt the most comfortable here, but I was so confused by the message because it just seemed like completely contradicting stuff that I had learned before when I went to church, and it just seemed kind of like wandering and yeah. It was, he would say points and then kind of like
0: trail off. I was expecting a more relevant, more um, interesting message, and what I wrote was just a regular, boring church. Um, and then I wrote just cooler, uh, in 10 years, uh, they will become the church they never intended to be. And new young people will start their own new church. They'll be like the new mill city church and the old mill city church will just be back there. And they'll be like, yeah, well, we kind of started out of there but then we moved on. And I was like, that just keeps happening. It's just another story. And that's another thing I want to talk about. Do you have anything else you want to say about mill city? Um, Oh,
1: at the end of the service, after we worshiped for the last time, we took communion. Well, we didn't, but it was like, just come up and take it. It wasn't like dismissing by roast. So I was like, oh, shit. They're like, it's time for communion. I'm like, get, get, go to the bathroom. Um, but it was just kind of like, come up when you feel led and take your gluten-free bread and dip it in I didn't wine see there's or any juice grape juice.
0: It's or- Baptist, so be grape juice, I think.
1: Okay. Um, organic grape juice, dip it in there. Um,
0: organic gluten free wafers.
1: Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the song, Clark Kent came back up and said, uh, like, our assignment for the week as, like, living out his sermon was calling out someone else's potential. Which I think is a great thing to do, but to me didn't connect to the message at all. <laughs> Because <laughs> so it was talking about, like, Jesus making you the best you. And, like, only Jesus can do that. And then at the end, he's like, you know what you can do this week? Tell someone about their potential and how great they are. You can help motivate. And I was like, I love that sentiment because I think it's really important to compliment and motivate people. But it just seems completely separate from what he was talking about. So I appreciated the sentiment, but again, just kind of like his whole sermon, it was like these like chunks and bits and pieces, and it didn't seem to
0: be really cohesive. And granted, we're only there for one week, but I mean, if we were, you know, people seeking the church community and came, we'd be like,
1: hell come on. It didn't, it did not seem cohesive.
0: No. Um, So what I wanted to talk about was, so this was a new church plant. They've only been around for a few years, maybe five years. I mean, not they haven't even been around for ten years, I don't think. If I'm wrong, I'm sure not someone will right. correct me. But the first thing I wanted to ask is, why would you do church this way? Like, if you have the opportunity to create a new thing, a new church – I'm not saying like a new religion, but uh, – Scientology's got that. Um, but a new, a new church, a new way of doing church, why model it on that old, tired – like normal way. Like why have to do worship that way? Why, why do sermons? Why preach? Like, that's like when I look at churches today, I'm like, you're doing it wrong. The first thing I think about is the sermon and preaching. Because it's someone just talking at a bunch of people instead of doing something. with Even if they just have a panel discussion. Because I know they have two pastors. Even if they just had both the pastors up there doing you know, a discussion back and forth about what both of them think about it, I think it would be way more beneficial than just one person giving a talk.
1: And um, I would have loved to have asked questions.
0: Yeah. Um, and I
1: don't want to wait until two weeks from now at coffee time to do it. Like, I they had like some kind of coffee time where you could meet with people before the service, which is great.
0: But I
1: I have questions now and I want to know what he meant.
0: And I wrote, uh, do we just have no imagination? Uh, can we not be more creative? Like I went to seminary with a lot of these folks. Um, and it just seems like we could do better. Like the seminary I went to has a preaching competition. And I never entered it because no. I just thought it was so stupid. And that's terrible. And this year, for the first time, it's three female uh, finalists. Which that's great that there are finally three women doing sermons. But like sermons lost their relevance in like 1902.
1: And why should it be a competition?
0: And why, yeah, why should it be stylized? That sounds like like forensics. It sounds like speech team stuff, which is, it's great if you want to be an orator, if you want to be an actor, but to be a person who's supposed to be a spiritual counselor and a pastor, it seems so, so bizarre to me that you would try to create a persona where you're this cool dude who's just hanging out.
1: Yeah. And like I had mentioned before, I think in, I can't remember if it was either the sacred collective or this podcast about the aspirational Christianity where like you're trying to become the pastor. Yeah. You're trying to become the pastor and his wife. Like their kids are so well behaved and man, they have awesome Christian sex every day. And you know, they wear cool clothes and they live in a big house. And if we just trust God more, we'll be like those people, which I absolutely can't stand.
0: Yeah. It's a, It's no bueno, um, but yeah. So the so when I went to Mill City, I was expecting a much different format, and the only format that was different in any way was that the like, community time, yeah, which, which was, is great, yeah, well done. Um, but I don't know, and it's not like a church needs to be like a punk band back room green room where you've got tons of couches and like just a bunch of coffee and a bunch of creature comforts, but. Having a even just the panel discussion, I think, would be much more efficient than a sermon. I mean, having if you had, like, two pastors at the church and two people from the congregation who are interested in a specific topic, and then you that'd have be a, seri- awesome. a series of talks instead of a series of sermons, I think that would be much more beneficial to the congregation and to the individuals. That would be awesome. But and that
1: doesn't place the pastor on such, like...
0: A high pedestal.
1: A high pedestal and, like, this unattainable, like, knowledge and... That people think they can't reach because he's the pastor, and every week, you know, he tells me what to do and my goal. And you know, if it was like two pastors and then, like you said, people from the congregation discussing a certain topic,
0: that would seem so much more. And and that's not a dig inclusive to me. And that's not a dig against just Mill City Church. It's a dig against every church we've been to so far. Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. It's it just seems like the reason people don't get more involved because they don't feel involved. Yeah. When you just go to a room and get talked at for 40 minutes to an hour, I I don't feel the involvement there. And also... And the only
1: way to get involved is to, like, wave flags in the parking lot and tell
0: people where to park. Yeah, or where to (laughs) sit, yeah. Um, And, I mean, this is a pretentious city this this church, but also, like, credentials. You wouldn't let... Just anybody be your dentist? You want to you want to make sure that they actually have a doctorate in what they claim they have, and they're actually a doctor. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to churches, it people should be experts in that field. They should have the training to know how to deal with the scriptures, to know how to interpret the Bible, to know about different kinds of theologies. And I don't. I mean, no one can know everything, and no one can keep up on all the latest. Who's his? This her? Blah blah blah. But you should at least have someone who's interested in it and is like continually looking for it. Cause even though I am not a believer, I spend tons of time still studying the Bible because it fascinates me. And Christianity is a part of our culture and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, yeah. The, the emphasis on continuing education.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think even if you do get like a degree, like a pastoral degree or something, continuing to study and not just, reinforcing what you learned, but instead seeking out new things. And like you said, like, why does church have to be that way? Why can't people be more creative? Why can't you have more imagination? Like who, I don't know, like who said it had to be, you know, singing, offering, sermon, more singing, community, like communion, whatever, you know, like what, it doesn't say in the Bible that's what a church service is supposed to be like. What? There's no church more, service
0: in the Bible.
1: Just have more imagination about it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have had you've, what you've only had two thousand years to think about it.
1: I guess. Or, or I, right time. Yeah. I don't know, and <laughs> like, there's such a strong calling of like these new and radical pastors being like, we have to stay relevant. People, you know, millennials are leaving the church in droves. They're they don't even know their gender anymore. What the hell is <laughs> happening? Well, I think and
0: it's partially too because, like, people are finally calling bullshit. I mean, like, if you talk about taking care of the poor and loving the poor, and you don't do shit about it, you know. Because I mean, we, so me and Angela purposely have found jobs where we work feeding the hungry and taking care of the least of these on purpose. Um, and I don't know. it Feels like a sacred duty to me when I do it, but I mean. It's, I mean, the pace sucks.
1: The pace sucks, but I mean, we don't do it
0: for the pace. No, and we do it in our neighborhood, and so we know our neighbors, and we're helping our neighbors. Um, and I'm struggling with the fact that I don't know how to connect that to justice. So yeah, I feed about a hundred people for lunch every day, but and it's a good meal. It's a free meal. Um, there's no, they don't have to do anything to get the meal. They're just come in and eat and, and eat as much as you want, and then take off. And I love that, but there's no justice attached to that. It's just charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love I love charity, but I also want to connect it somehow to justice and do do something else that's more than just giving a man a fish, feeding him for a day.
1: Same with food shelf. I like we said before, you have to have a really thick skin because there's definitely people who make it really hard for you. <laughs> um, if you don't give them the right stuff and food shelf, they'll yell and swear at you. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, it does like some days I'll just come home exhausted and be like, like, why, the, like, why the fuck am I even doing this? Like, you know, but people are out there. They have children. They need food. If I can provide them with that through my job, great. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, why has it even come to this yeah. where people have to come to a food shelf?
0: Yeah, this should be a right. not
1: a. It should be a right to have things you need to live like food, water, shelter. That should be a right. Mm-hmm. And people Healthcare. shouldn't, shouldn't have to come to a food shelf, and especially the end of the month when I have so many people and each session, I can only take 15 people. So I have to turn people away and it's the hardest fucking thing. People are standing there. If they come five minutes too late, they can't get food that day. And it's just, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why Why are we even in this position where people have to line up and be a first 15 to an organization just to feed their family? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like you were talking about the difference between charity and justice. Like, that's yeah. not justice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at least in a small way... We're doing
0: something. <laughs> yeah, and we're trying to figure out how to do more. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, working with charities, that's, that's the thing. Um, I mean, we're totally ending this on a downer. Don't kill yourself uh, if you're thinking about it now. Uh, call a crisis center. Call a friend. Um, call call suicide, me up. Call, suicide hotline. call us up. Uh, we'll be your friends. Totally. Um, you can play with our cats. Um, but, I, th- I think that's all we have to say. I think we're getting into a different... A different area.
1: Yeah. And I think I'll end it on a, on a lighter note, like how, um, Clark Kent, as I call him, um, mentioned at the end of the service today, like calling out people's potential. And I think that's really important. Um, I'm a very stoic person. I do not like to be very open with people. And I, I'm not, I don't like to have mushy feelings towards other people as well. If I can help it, um, maybe it's the Dutch in me, but I'm just very stoic, but I'm trying to make an effort to be more open. And if I think somebody is kick-ass, I tell them to their face or, you know, if someone did a really good thing, even if it seems minute being like, Hey, you know what? Like, we had you over for dinner, you, you know, your conversation was really interesting and you're really smart. And I really appreciate you being my friend and coming over to our house. Like that stuff sounds so cheesy after school to me, but I'm trying to kind of unlock that cynicism and tell people more when I think they're kick-ass. So I'm glad that guy said that today. Cause it's like a, reminder to me even though it didn't make any fucking sense um, for his sermon but I'm glad that's what he said so my challenge to you listeners would be if you think someone is being kick ass in your life tell them and even if it seems cheesy or if you're like I know this sounds cheesy but I really appreciate you being my friend I really appreciate what you did to me Um, did for me did to me (laughs)
0: Ooh. <laughs> that was a Freudian Whoa. stuff <laughs> Whoa I'm
1: pulling my collar over here um, But yeah Just letting people know in your life And it's not a Jesus thing It's a human connection thing Letting people know that they're appreciated And that your life is better oh, With them in it
0: That's true Well on that note I think we'll wrap it up uh, Caleb could you please keep the police siren in And the kid does. <laughs> Power to the
1: working class, everyone. Power to the working class. Bye. A post-Christian production.